It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing all right. I want to give a special shout-out uh, today for our two, uh, or at least uh, the two of our newest affiliates uh, in Brunswick, Georgia, uh, I want to thank uh, all of the people on WGIG for uh, tuning in today, as well as my man George and the rest of the crew at, uh, crew at uh, WSM. Uh-oh. Is it going to be one of those days again today? I don't know. WSMN 1590 uh, in Nashua, New Hampshire. Glad to be part of uh, your programming, your sports programming today. Um, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant. Located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. And speaking about St. Simons, I know it seems like a long way off, but make your plans now. We are going to have the biggest and bestest Billy C. Gathering uh, that we've had to date in 15 years. It's going to be the biggest, best one, September 13th, 14th, and 15th at the Sea Palms Resort on St. Simons Island. Uh, great time. We're going to have a meet and greet. We're going to have some former world champions there and some celebrities. We'll have a fight night. We have a golf tournament planned, a fishing tournament planned. What a great time. Make the plans now. We have a full package available except for lodging because there's plenty of options uh, on St. Simon's Island or in Brunswick or on the other two of the Golden Isles, uh, Turtle Island, I'm sorry, Sea Island and uh, Jekyll Island. So uh, make your plans now. You do need a ticket. So uh, drop me an email if you want to get put on the list. Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. And listen, if you're uh, going to stay at a Holiday Inn property, make sure you take advantage of the Billy C. discount. Just call a toll-free number, uh, 844-603-0364, 844-603-0364, or just go to our website and uh, click uh, on the uh, uh, Holiday Inn uh, banner, which you can't miss. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino. From Bondage, The Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now. When you're watching or listening to the show, just go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. You want a signed copy, just go to the website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the book. It's that simple, man. 
Um, coming up later, we got uh, this week's Blast from the Past. Alex Papali will join us and tell us all about former multi-division world champion, and I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, Michael Nunn. We'll be talking about that. Uh, speaking of Hall of Fame, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard will be joining us. I'll get his thoughts on some of the fights from last week. And, of course, the big fight scheduled for this week, the heavyweight uh, unification fight between Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker. And speaking of Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker, we're going to kick off the show right now with uh, some of their uh, most latest their latest quotes, man, my, my, my English is uh, not good today. Uh, the latest quotes from both Anthony Joshua uh, and Joseph Parker, and then some, because uh, I got an interesting uh, email that I'm going to uh, incorporate right, uh, right off the bat here uh, before we get to the rest of them, uh, because it also has uh, some quotes from uh, uh, Eddie Hearn. But Foist, joining me right now from St. Simon's Island, uh, my partner in crime, Sal Rocky Senicolo. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. And how are you today? Oh, not too bad. Hey, we got to give a shout out to Dublin, Ireland. Uh, Dublin, my man John Ireland, is uh, is watching from Dublin, Ireland. Talk about Who's world. Uh, talk about uh, my my man jo John from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, talk about uh, getting a world uh, audience, huh? Hey, that, that is fantastic. Hey, ask John to drop you an email. You know, my first international bout with the United States boxing team was against a great international or, or a national three-time uh, European champion was Sean Doyle and uh, with the Irish national team. And that was my first international amateur bout, and um, I beat Sean. And I wonder how Sean Doyle is today. Uh, he was a great fighter. Well, like it's not. It's not like Doyle is a uh, common name or anything in Ireland, hey, Sal. You know, it's like, like Smith Seth here in the U.S. Doyle, but uh, sure Doyle, uh, eh? Anyway, what a great guy. We swapped jerseys. Um, we got uh, some final uh, uh, quotes. Uh, Anthony Joshua going up against uh, uh, Joseph Parker this weekend for a heavy heavyweight unification uh, title. Uh, the uh, WBA, the IBF. Uh, the IBO and the WBO world titles will all be on the line when Anthony Joshua, who's uh, currently 20 wins and no losses, all coming by knockout, steps in the ring uh, in arguably uh, his toughest uh, fight yet, Joseph Parker. I mean, I kind of think Klitschko was tougher, but a lot of people are giving uh, Parker a better than good chance of uh, upsetting Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker's uh, no slouch himself, 24-0 with 18 knockouts. Uh, I got some uh, quotes, and uh, we'll start off with uh, Anthony. Uh, I'm sorry. We'll start off with Joseph Parker first. Uh, Joseph Parker said, I feel ready. I'm confident, and I'm sharp. I feel better than ever, and I'm taking these belts back to New Zealand. I see Joshua as a great champion. The reason why we wanted this fight is because we respect what he's achieved in the boxing world. We respect his team and what they've been able to achieve on uh, this side of the world, and we love challenges. We see him uh, as a big challenge, and that's the reason we want to fight him. Uh, I feel it's my time. Uh, I'm young, I'm fast, I'm strong, and I'm determined to win. I'm not here for the payday. I'm here to take the belts back home with me. I'm here to be part of history. I'm not doing it just for myself. I'm doing it for my team, my family, and my country. He's at his best. I'm at my best. 
This is the perfect time for a fight. Uh, there are going to be no excuses. Whoever wins is the best on that day. I'm going to beat Anthony Joshua. I haven't decided how yet uh, and how I want to beat him. I don't know if it's going to be a knockout or if it's going to be a points decision. We'll see how I feel on fight night. But I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going home undefeated with all the belts. These are mine. Uh, I'm in the best shape I've ever been. Whoever wins is the better man. There's no excuses. Uh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling strong. And I'm going to leave it all in the ring. I'm punching hard. I'm punching with way more speed. So I'm looking uh, to put that all on display come Saturday night. This is the perfect time because he's undefeated. He's got the belts that I want. We're both at the top of our game. And now it's a good time to see who's the best. I'm confident I'm going to win. I'm taking those belts home. Um, what's your thoughts wow. on those uh, comments? A lot of wheeze in uh, in a that. A lot of wheeze uh, uh, <laughs> in those we quotes. Step in that ring. We step in that ring. I'll tell you, I know somebody that doesn't like those comments. It's like uh, Michael Corleone with Fredo. Hey, Fredo, uh, you're giving me all the right answers, but none of the ones I want to hear. And uh, Deontay Wilder is probably going to be the biggest fan rooting for uh, Anthony Joshua Saturday night besides the Joshua family. But I'll tell you what, those are some strong words, and those are words of confidence. And, uh, you know, you can't expect anything less from another champion. And I think uh, I think it's going to be a poignant statement, and we'll see what he can do in the ring because I'll tell you, this is going to be a good fight. It's going to be a better fight than what most anticipate. And I think that uh, we are in for a good, good night of fights. Well, what I read between the lines is that um, I, I, I don't think he's trying to convince himself. I, I, I think this no. kid is confident. Com I think no, he's that he's confident. put the work in in the gym. I think he's proud uh, of himself. Uh, I think he's proud of, of the effort that he has put uh, into preparing himself. And I, I truly believe that this kid feels that he is going to give it his all on Saturday night and that there won't be any excuses if he loses. He said several things that stick out to me, uh, and one of them is the best will win on that night. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's setting up a, hey, I, I tried my best and I'll be back, uh, no, you know, not, to, to try not. again. Or if he's just laying the groundwork to say, listen, there's no excuses. I don't have any yeah. built-in excuse. I didn't stub my toe. I didn't hurt my toe. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't been sick. I'm going to be the best I can be come Saturday night. And if he beats me, he's going to be better than me. I, to me, it was a respectful, uh, some respectful quotes. I think he knows uh, what's in front of him. And uh, I think he, we're going to get the, we're going to see the best Joseph Parker possible uh, against Anthony Joshua on Saturday night. And that's what I gather uh, out of uh, uh, his comments, Sal. I believe you're right. I, I like his statements. I think they were very strong, very good, and very confident. I don't think it was anything, nothing false behind it. I think it was very good. So I, I applaud his feedback right there. Now, as far as uh, Anthony Joshua, uh, Anthony Joshua uh, said, uh, and I quote, uh, I feel like this is what we got to do. If champions don't face off, then we won't bring excitement to the sport of boxing. And I feel like we, heavyweights, are the flag bearers for the sport. I'm peaking, but what I need to do is remain where I am. If you want to see my peak, then I need to face stern challenges. The better opponent, the better I get. We embrace the challenge of facing an undefeated champion. He's a champion. He's done well for himself. He's quick. And he could take a punch. 
I have to mentally say the fight will go 12 rounds in my head. But if I had a pick, I'd say nine. I will win by knockout 100%. For a long time, I've had to rely on my strength and my physicality. Over the last 10 years I've been boxing, I've built a lot of mental strength as well. And now I'm combining the two. I feel confident and I'm looking forward to this challenge. I take it 1,000% one fight at a time. A lot of talk has been happening about uh, myself and Deontay Wilder. People need to be realistic. I'm looking at Joseph Parker, who is a live challenger. He's a champion for a reason. Let's say we look into a crystal ball and I'm victorious. Then we can start talking about future plans. But for now, my plans are Saturday. That's where I got to look at, and I'm not looking beyond that moment. There's definitely a fear of losing because it keeps me going. I have to make sure I stay focused on the task at hand. The fear of losing keeps me motivated because I know how quickly the tables can turn. One minute you're the man, the next minute you're not. I'm definitely preparing for a 12-round fight, 110%. It isn't a problem to go to distance, but let's say I got... 20 quid in my pocket. There's that quid again. There's that uh, quid, huh? <laughs> uh, tw- don't they wiggle and stuff? I mean, oh, oh that's squid. I'm sorry. Uh, but let's say I got 20 quid in my pocket, and I'm looking at Joseph Parker against Anthony Joshua. I believe Anthony Joshua will knock Joseph Parker out myself. Um, You know, I'll start with you. What, what What's your thoughts on uh, AJ's uh, comments, Sal? Well, Anthony Joshua, he, uh, like I said, I... I, I I'm very flattered. I'm not. I'm very impressed with the words and the dialogue and what he likes to reveal about his emotions and thoughts. And he does it so eloquently. And I'll tell you, he uh, he's a he's a gentleman by far, cut above uh, what we're used to seeing in the fight game. And he just uh, he just says uh, what he's going to do, and he doesn't tout or boast or anything else. He's humble, and I think uh, I think he's a He's the real deal, and that's why he's where he is today. He's a he's a good gentleman, and he works hard, trains hard, and there's no excuses there. He's going to let it all out, and hopefully it'll be enough for him to uh, come out uh, the winner. You know, every time I I see him speak or or read a quote or or you know watch a clip, I see a guy, and you hit it on the head. I see a very humble man, uh, a grounded guy, and. Yes, a guy that that has not fallen prey, at least yet, um, to all of the press clips. You know how I'm always saying, "Well, this guy believes in his press clips. He's listening to this. Oh, yeah. You know, he's listening to those. He is telling him he's so great." Um, but but the truth of the matter is, is is what I see with Anthony Joshua, and and it's probably one of the main reasons why I like this kid, is that he has admitted that he wants to get better and better after each fight. And I see a, a very uh, obvious progression with him. And I think that the main challenge to him is to get better each fight. And I, I think that that's must, you know, I think, and, and it's my opinion, that it has to be one of the driving forces behind him. The other thing that I see is he's a respectful guy. And, you know, I think that goes a longer way than yelling and screaming sometimes. And um, I, I, I believe he respects uh, Joseph Parker. I, I, I honestly believe that he, that you know, even though the other day I, I thought that maybe he was looking ahead, but I honestly believe that he's got this fight in perspective and he knows it's one step at a time and he's got to get this guy. The, the, one of the biggest um, 
you know, impression, uh, impressionable things that I got uh, from these quotes is that he said, the fear of losing is what drives me. And it, and it, it made me think because, I, you know, every time, I, obviously, any time that I ever got into a fight, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, an organized one or not, I got nervous. You know, I, I knew when there was going to be a fight because you'd start shaking. At least I did. You know, I'd be I'd be very nervous uh, about the fight. And uh, and and it and that's what drove me. The, the fear of somebody else getting the better of me uh, is what drove me, uh, you know, from an amateur point. And I could just imagine or I, I can't really imagine the level he's at. But that fear factor is still a driving force, Sal. I mean, uh, you got to be able to relate to that, yeah? 100%. And I'll tell you what. When you're undefeated, as I was through 18 wins, 18 fights in a row, uh, you look at that zero, and you 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 feel you're the best. You train. You do diligence. Uh, and, you know, like I said, you go above and beyond what you're training because you don't want to give that up as easily as as as, uh, as you think. And, uh you know, it's a driver for for uh, a motivator for for that. Hey, but on one level, I will tell you this: after my first defeat, it was like uh, it was like okay, it's all over. The, the it, it, I, all all safety nets are. I don't care anymore because I'm going to go out there and be a whirlwind and and fight and do anything. I mean, it was almost like an empowerment as well, as negative as it was to think about the first defeat. Uh, it was also, how can I say? It was also not. I didn't really care for it because I, I also felt I won the fight. It was a decision, but uh, uh, against Brian Payton, uh, who who uh, gave my first defeat. But I felt empowered enough to say, okay, all bets are off now. I, I got rid of the O, and and I'm I'm just going to be relentless. Well, I always was relentless, but like I said, it's a it's a different feeling. But you wanted to protect the O, and you wanted to fight and just. Always, you just go in a ring prepared and making sure you go above and beyond, ready to face whoever you can. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's a it's a huge driving force. Oh, it is, uh, and, and there's no question about that. And it's just to me, it was it was a breath of fresh air to see a guy like Anthony Joshua uh, basically, you know, um, admit the same thing. You know, I mean, he's he's up on a he's up on a pedestal. On you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Anthony Joshua, he, he, he makes it. You know, where he may be the heavyweight champion of the world, undefeated, bigger than life kind of guy. He humanizes it and and brings it down to a level that a lot of people could empathize or identify with. So that's that's why he's a popular guy. Can't wait for the fight. I got an email yesterday. Now I have some other emails I'm going to read, but this one kind of ties into uh, our first segments here on the show because. Uh, of course, I have uh, Anthony Joshua's uh, uh, latest uh, diary, uh, you know, excerpt that my man Johnston uh, has been supplying us with. And after the show, he always posts them up on uh, BillyCBoxing.com. So if you want to get an inside look at Anthony Joshua's fight diary, you can check it out uh, up on BillyCBoxing.com. But uh, I got an email uh, from uh, my man Paul. And the email reads as follows. It says, hey, Billy C., my name is Paul, and I'm from the U.K. I catch every episode of your show on YouTube, 
and would like to say it's the best boxing show out there. You provide a you provide a non-biased opinion on the boxing scene, and it's a refreshing change from listening to the biased opinions just because of which part of the world you come from. I know you're a big Anthony Joshua fan, and I've just watched an interview with Eddie Hearn, and I thought I'd pass it on to you in case you haven't seen it. Um, he says... Uh, uh, it's, uh, he was telling me, I'm not going to mention, uh, anything here, but he says it's a video with Hearn that mocks Wilder about not coming to the fight on Saturday and missing out on the massive amounts of publicity that that would bring him. I'm just wondering what your view on this stance is. If he doesn't turn up at the fight when it's a free trip and paid for, uh, et cetera, uh, as he was supposed to be working the fight on fight night, keep up the fantastic work. Um, I did watch the video, uh, and this is why I'm incorporating this in this part of the show. Um, and, and Paul, thank you uh, very much. Uh, I, you know, I, I just I love our UK fan base. Oh, yeah. uh, we have uh, uh, a very large uh, portion uh, uh, of our uh, fan base is, is in the UK, and 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 you know, I know I always say this, but I mean it wholeheartedly. I wish someday uh, before we pack it in here on this show that uh, we get to. Uh, uh, broadcast uh, uh, several shows, a week long. I would love to do a week of our shows live from England. Um, I think it would be cool. I would love to witness the support from the UK fans. I know they would come out and, and turn out for our uh, shows just to be part of the audience, and, and I would love it. So if you're listening in the UK, you got some connections, hook us up, man. Because uh, every time I reach out uh, to guys like Eddie Hearn, they don't even call me back, you know. But uh, anyway, as far as this uh, interview, um, Eddie Hearn uh, said that uh, it was reported to him that Deontay Wilder has decided not to go uh, to, to Cardiff, Wales to be ringside. Uh, and he was also being paid to be part of the broadcast team for Sky Sports. And it was it's alleged. Now, we don't know this because Eddie Hearn said that that, that was the latest update, that Deontay Wilder has decided not to go. And Eddie Hearn's point was he's an idiot not to go. That the whole world of boxing will have their eyes on this fight. That this is an opportunity for Deontay Wilder to get the publicity that he has to try to seek by yelling and screaming and pounding on his chest that no one, none of his promoters or management has been you know, smart enough to give him here in the States. Here they are going to pay him to go there and it would automatically uh, get him the, uh, the, the publicity he wants. Not only will Anthony Joshua be fighting and inside the ring, but Dillian White is there too, his new mandatory uh, title challenger. So, I mean, it would have been a great opportunity for Deontay Wilder. Now, whether Deontay Wilder is just saying he's not going to try to get some more press, I don't know. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Sal, I agree with Eddie Hearn that this would be a very stupid decision on Deontay Wilder's part. And Eddie Hearn bluntly said that this kid is being advised incorrectly. If somebody is telling him not to go, they are... I've said this on this show in the past recently, too, that I feel that the team that surrounds Deontay Wilder is robbing him. They're making him do the wrong things. They're preventing him from making the money that he could. I think 
that the smartest thing that Deontay Wilder could do is sign with Eddie Hearn, to be honest with you. Uh, what's your thoughts on the possibility that Wilder doesn't show up for the uh, uh, A.J. Parker fight, Sal? Did you read this in quotes? Is this on the public airways? Or is this uh, is this just an inside story of what the what the? I just told you I read I just read a, a I know. A, an interview. I mean I just watched an interview that has been published uh, from Eddie Hearn, who's the promoter. So yeah, yeah, right, but it's I public. Mean, no it's one public. has it where Deontay Wilder has spoken or said these words. I'm, I'm asking that that we can see or see on the internet or anywhere. Well, I mean, like he, yeah, that's true. If if you out, see it on the internet, out. it's got to be true, right? Well, sure. Hey, why not? You know what? I I would be very very surprised. And yes, I would have to say, Deontay Wilder, if this is the true case and he doesn't intend on going, and if he said those words, uh, a he's either looking to magnify the publicity and and everything else. But if he's sincere and he's not going to show up for this world title fight. Yes, I did say it. It is also a world title fight. Then he is being definitely very ill advised because this is this is where he should be, and he should be behind the microphone, and he should be uh, commentating on what he sees before him. Because any one of these two fighters up there uh, could be his next opponent, and uh, you know he could beat all the Dillian Whites and all the all the Ortiz and everybody else in front of him. But these two guys who are undefeated fighting for their belts, uh, you know, we want to see Deontay Wilder fight these Sal, guys. Hold, hold, that, Sal hold that thought, my man. Yeah. We got to take a short break. Uh, but before I go on the break, I want to give a shout-out uh, to my man, Scholar. Yesterday, he uh, gave us a super chat, and it was at the end of the show, and I didn't realize it. So I want to give him a shout-out, and I'm even going to give him a quote. He says, uh, you know, if, if nobody didn't want him there, why are they begging him to go? Um, interesting point. We're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, I got some more uh, on all of this. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us just before we went to break. We were talking about uh, the fact that Deontay Wilder is allegedly not going, according to uh, Eddie Hearn and uh, some other people. It's amazing to me what the fans say, Sal. You know, the, the Wilder supporters are, are saying, ah, you know, it's not true. Uh, did Wilder say yeah. it? You know, like you, you actually well, just said the same said, thing. You know. And, uh, you know, and then the other people are saying, oh, he can't, uh, you know, this and that. And w- one of the things that Eddie Hearn said that may have been a driving force is that Deontay Wilder wanted to get up into the ring. You know, to pull his WWF or, or you know, uh, WWE moves where he yells and calls everybody out. And you, you know this routine that, that the fraud does. But but the truth of the matter is, is that uh, over there, you're not permitted in the ring uh, unless you're called up by one of the uh, combatants. So uh, maybe that was a driving force. I don't know. But somebody else made an interesting point uh, in the... Uh, 
YouTube chat that uh, maybe it's because of his record. Uh, you can't get into uh, Canada with a, with a record. Uh, you can't get into the U.S. with a record. Maybe England's the same. And Deontay Wilder uh, does have a uh, criminal record, Sal. Well, I, I didn't know any of these things, and uh, I'm not sure. But uh, I I'm do sure. hope we do see uh, Deontay Wilder ringside for this fight. I think it's I think it's a necessity. I really do. And uh, it should be, uh, like I said, I didn't hear it straight from his mouth uh, or anything else in, in a news wave. So uh, until I do... Uh, I'm gonna think it's just a little bit of a smokescreen, and uh, I hopefully will. Hopefully, we will all see him ringside for the fight Saturday night. What's he gonna bring? I mean, truthfully, who cares if he's ringside? I mean, I don't care if if Deontay Wilder's ringside for the fight. He doesn't bring anything to the fight. He's obviously not a a, a, a well-spoken guy, so he's not gonna bring anything to the to the broadcast. What he brings is circus appeal. He brings the WWE appeal. You know, he's there to call out uh, uh, Anthony Joshua or to hear. He doesn't bring anything. You know, there, I think it's funny that he's deciding not to go. I, I agree with Eddie Hearn about the publicity standpoint. Deontay Wilder is in a position to benefit from being there. Not AJ and not boxing. There's no, and certainly not the broadcast, not what his, the way he speaks. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that it would be beneficial to to Deontay Wilder to be there. And that's where I agree with Eddie Hearn 100% that the people that are advising Deontay Wilder are not advising him in his best interest. This is free publicity, Sal. You, I would, I would chomp at the bit to get that handed to me, don't you think? Well, of course I do, and that's why I can't believe that this is something that is coming from Deontay Wilder, Wilder's lips himself. And I, I, uh, I think we're going to. I would believe that we are going to see him ringside. And and you know what? I'd like to hear his opinion on what he thinks during the fight, the course of the fight, about the style of Anthony Joshua and what he would see as a flaw or something. And the same thing with uh, Joseph Parker. I'd like to hear his opinion because. These are two viable opponents that he may be facing in the near future. Although in a fight game, it's never the near future. But uh, I think that uh, uh, it's an oxymoron. <laughs> but I think I think that the presence of Deontay Wilder is is going to be a big thing. He's got to be there. He's he, And I want to hear his comments. I want to hear some of his things. And it's not necessarily having to be a WWE versus just, hey, this is good. This is a style. Hey, I like the way he does this, but here's what I would see him going doing it, doing that. You know, so I, I I'd like to hear that from him. You you get you and I look at Deontay Wilder as two totally. You have this. First of all, I'm not even going to comment okay. because all it's right. so ridiculous. It's so it's such a ridiculous statement to hear. If he ever said anything that resembled technical technical. Um, criticisms on any fighter, even himself. I've never even heard him criticize himself. I hear other fighters that say, you know, I, I, I you know, reviewed the the film, and you know, I, I know I gotta, you know, improve on this. Improve. Deontay Wilder acts like he's the perfect guy. This is a guy that has no technical skill. He's got a power punch. That's it. I, I don't know. I think that he's. I think he's a little nervous that that um, that that maybe he won't do a a, a good job. He doesn't have to speak well or anything like that they, they're bringing him there for the presence they are bringing him there for the wwe 
uh, uh, feel. It, it's it, There's no other reason. This isn't a, a well-spoken guy. This isn't a technically sound retired boxer that can give a, a analysis on a fight. He just isn't. You know, uh, they're bringing him for that circus act appeal. And he doesn't want to do it. Now, if he was saying, I don't want to do it because I don't want... I don't want to be looked at as a circus attraction. Well, then I would respect him for that. But like you said, he hasn't said anything. I haven't heard him say anything. I haven't heard but him the, say but anything. But the truth so of the matter I'm, is, I'm the truth about. of the matter is, is that he uh, is a guy that uh, would ha- be in a position to get some free publicity. And I think that that's critical for Deontay Wilder right now. And for him to pass that up is a huge mistake, in my opinion. Well, yes, but like I said, I haven't heard it directly from his mouth. So I, I, I don't believe just. Uh, Somebody making it making it up, but uh, you know, I I uh, I could see it as being just thrown out there as a smoke screen or so, and just to get the appeal and just to see. But you know, I I think Deontay Wilder also could use this moment out there to either do a facade, a, a commentary, or so to to throw him off track to see the words like instead of him saying well i saw joshua drop his his left at the jab i'm going to come over with overhand right and whack him just just knock him out he could say well he throws a good jab he i mean he could look at it for both angles and he doesn't have to reveal everything he's going to do he could reveal just certain things that are happening in front of him so like i said i think it's a great opportunity and i would be very very surprised if he's not going to take advantage of it yeah, I, I think from the promotional aspect, I mean, listen, Deontay Wilder, I give him credit for being loyal to the all the thieves that are in his pockets uh, right now. But the truth is that a guy like Deontay Wilder, forget about how you feel about him. I personally feel he's had uh, 40 fights, two real opponents, uh, but, but that's my opinion. But regardless of, of how anybody else feels, the truth of the matter is, I, I think most people would agree that he just has not been promoted correctly. And this is an opportunity. You know, he's kind of taken on self-promotion. You know, uh, the yelling, the screaming, the pounding on the chest, that's all him. You know, he had to do something to get his name out there. Now, be as it may, you know, any press is good press. Uh, he gets a lot of negative uh, publicity because of the manner in which he he yells and screams and says he's the best, saying that uh, AJ's ducking him. We we've have found out many times that that's not the case. There's uh, if 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 Anthony uh, if Anthony Joshua was ducking him, then why doesn't Deontay Wilder's people make an offer to AJ to fight Deontay in the states? It's the other way around. Deontay Wilder is refusing offers from AJ's promoter. So if I'm Deontay Wilder, I want this free press. I would take this trip, and whether I said anything about what I would do or anything like that, I would go there and sit ringside and let people see me, you know, and meet the fans and and let people judge for themselves, you know, maybe show them. Uh, the other side of Deontay Wilder, maybe the real Deontay Wilder, you know, gain some fan base. Because the bottom line is the more fans that Deontay has, the more value he has in himself. Right now, that's the negative force for him, Sal. People saying, well, you don't have a big fan base. You don't even have a big fan base in the States. How can you come over to England? If he goes there, he's creating that. It makes no business sense for him not to go. Well, I think you hit it on the head. So I don't know. This is a rumor. This is something thrown out there to stir some interest. 
you know, look at it. We're, we're talking a whole show about Deontay Wilder not being there. So that's free press right there. Bottom line is I haven't heard it from his mouth or anything on the networks that have uh, said that. And I believe in my heart of hearts that he knows the opportunity this is for him to be there. And I think we're going to see him there ringside. And I think it's going to be bigger than life that he should be there. And he's going to be the ambassador for who he's representing in himself and the United States and with the title. And I believe he's going to go shake hands. And I believe he's going to have a real good feedback. Because let's say he, he's, he's bigger than life in person. So you know what? I believe he's going to gain some fans by going over there. We'll see, Sal. We'll see. I, I, I mean, In fact, uh, I'm going to start promoting Deontay Wilder. Yeah. How's okay. that? Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we, we're scheduled to have uh, Larry Hazard join us. Uh, then we'll do our blast from the past, and we'll be back to Sal. Don't go anywhere. A lot of show left. Billy C. will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. So we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, I, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now is Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner. The man himself, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Billy. How you doing, my man? Hey, good weather. Good <laughs> weather, no storm. No you know, storm it's funny. It's funny. We, you know, I, I still have snow on the ground, but there's little patches of, of grass I'm starting to see. And and today was the first day like it was raining. You know, and uh, yeah. I haven't seen rain, and I'm I'm noticing out. The, the pieces of grass that are showing are getting green already. I'm like, oh man, I better, I better get the lawnmower already. That's going to be the next thing I got to start doing. But uh, anyway, uh, a couple of things. Um, first, before I uh, uh, ask you about some uh, uh, current topics, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, Dillian White knocked out Lucas Brown uh, in a fight this past weekend. Um, what was your thoughts on, on the fight and uh, Dillian White? I didn't think much of the fight. You know, it was quite obvious that uh, Lucas Brown was over his head when he got in. I mean, it was just, I mean, there's, there's only one fight that I'm really interested in, in the heavyweight division, and I, 
I'm sure you know what, what that fight is. But I thought that the fight was, for whatever it was worth, it was entertaining as long as it lasted. But um, I think the outcome was pretty much a foregone conclusion. And so, uh, you know, Dillian White made a statement that uh, he should be taken seriously in the heavyweight division. And I guess maybe he should, um, uh, you know, among all of the uh, heavyweights that are out there. But the only heavyweight fight of interest, you know, right now for me is Wilder and Joshua. And, uh, you know, that's all I can say about that. And I'm just waiting for that to happen. And then we can start looking at some of the other contenders. But right now, that's the only heavyweight fight of interest. I think that um, that uh, White made made a positive statement on his behalf. But I don't think that the competition was that great. He didn't prove very much as far as I'm, you know, concerned. But it was what it was. And he won. You know, he's become the mandatory for Deontay Wilder. And I'm watching this fight. And, of course, like you, first of all, we've talked about this before. But there's not another. Providing Anthony Joshua gets by Joseph Parker this weekend. There's not another fight. There's no reason for these two guys to fight somebody else, whatever. But, you know, um, as is in this sport, you hear fighters say, well, I want to fight so-and-so, but my sanctioning body's forcing me to fight this guy. And if he has to fight Dillian White, I look at Dillian White, and I don't see him. I, not that I think that, that Deontay Wilder is that great, because I really don't. Although I thought that he looked good, at least heart and and determination and chin-wise against Ortiz. And I've gained a lot more respect for Deontay because of it. Um, I don't think that Dillian White gives him much much trouble. However, the one thing that I kind of would want to see with Dillian White, what he would bring to Deontay Wilder, which I have not seen yet, and I quite, quite honestly, I don't understand why, Larry, but Dillian White is a, a dedicated body attack fighter. He goes to the body religiously. He makes it part of his game. As a matter of fact, statistics, which, uh, you know, I don't like using the punch stat stats because they're subjective, but, you know, for this case, I, I will just use them for discussion purposes only. Statistics show that he works the body more than any other heavyweight uh, in the sport today. And with that said, should he get a chance to fight Deontay Wilder, I would like to see how Deontay holds up to a body attack. It's been my visual, anyway, that if I'm uh, in an opponent's corner of Deontay Wilder, that's where I want to attack. I want my chest. I want my head in his chest. I want to work that skinny body. I know it's got muscles and stuff, but it's it's thin. You know, I want to I want to check. I want to test it. I I, I want to not only work his body, but but stay in close so Deontay can't extend his punches that's where all his power is i don't understand why all of his opponents go in there and and they try to land that knockout punch because of the rumor of a suspect chin dillian white may pose a different strategy which would be good to see how deontay handles it what's your thoughts well i don't think that dillian white has uh, uh the defensive skills that will allow him to get close enough. Uh, I don't think there's any question that Wilder has that great power in that right hand, and that's all he looks for now. 
you know, he 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 the jab that I once marveled at in the beginning has sort of been thrown into the tool shed and he's looking to knock everybody out with the right hand. And perhaps that's all he needs right now because he's been very successful with it. As far as White is concerned and his body punching, he's still a perfect target, I think, for Wilder with that right hand because he fights from a straight-up posture. When he throws those body punches, you know, he doesn't crouch. He he throws them from a straight-up posture. And I, I, I fear that when he comes in for that for a body shot, he's going to get tagged with them right hands. And Wilder's the type of guy that he fights in a straight line. He doesn't have any footwork. He doesn't he doesn't move that uh, laterally that much. He's just straight in and straight out. And that's what makes that right hand, I think, so powerful. It gives it greater emphasis uh, of power because it comes in a straight line. And it, you know, with the leverage from his height, you know, once it lands, that's it. And so I, I don't give White much of a chance, even as a body as a body puncher. Um, good body punchers. Joe Frazier was a great body puncher. And you see how effective Joe was, even though Ali beat him two out of three. He was very effective uh, with his body shots because Joe head and movement was always going. He was always on the move, bobbing and weaving side to side, and his chin wasn't always an open target. I think that that does not, is not the case with Dillian White, especially for a guy like Deontay Wilder. I agree with you on this point. I think he has the highest percentage of uh, most of those guys as a body puncher. I do agree that if he can find a way to get close enough to land some of those body shots, then he's going to put Wilder to the test as to whether he can take that punishment because we have not seen anyone come close to punishing Deontay Wilder as of yet. And that's because they can't get past that powerful right hand. That's why he has that high knockout ratio. That right hand of his, you know, he's made a believer out of me. I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I'm not so sure that Joshua could beat him now. Okay, I have to just see, you know, Joshua, I have a lot of uh, respect and admiration for his abilities, especially coming out of that Klitschko fight. But I am not so sure now that he could beat Wilder. That's what makes that fight, uh, you know, the prospects of that fight are so exciting. And, and that's who I want to see. But, I, uh, you know, I don't think that Dylan White presents much of a challenge for Wilder. And, of course, that's who they're trying to get him to fight now. And uh, you know how I feel about that. You know, let's bring on Wilder and, and, and uh, Joshua. That's all I want to see. You know, I, I agree with you about Wilder's power right hand, but that's all he's got. And, you know, so far it's all he's needed. Um, but he also, I, you know, I, I just can't help but look at the resume. And when we saw the Ortiz fight, we saw a guy that was able to land many, many shots on Deontay Wilder. Uh, but what Deontay did prove was that he has uh, a, a better chin than we thought. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and he still was able to, he, he didn't bail on his right hand because that's all he's got. 
but he definitely showed he's got no footwork. He does not utilize a jab, which he did show us that he had at one time. Uh, he's got the reach and height advantage over most of his opponents, but he's not fighting smart. And I think that uh, if, you know, we've seen some fights with Wilder in the past where fighters do charge him, and he, he leans back. His body leans back quicker than his legs can respond. So I think a a, a body attack guy would uh, would give him some trouble. I'm not so sure that White could beat him. I I, I said right off the bat, I don't, I don't think White can beat Deontay. I, I think that uh, White's just, he, he has no defense. He's not going to be able to hide from Deontay's right hand all night. Uh, it would The pressure would be on Dillian White to try to take out uh, Deontay Wilder quick, but uh, moving on, moving along here because uh, there's so many other things I want to talk to you about, and I'm with you. I don't even want to see Deontay fight um, Dillian White. I just want to see him fight uh, AJ, and we're going to get to that in one second, but one quick thing I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, on Thursday night of last week, Ryan Garcia uh, fought an experienced uh, um, fighter in uh, uh, Vargas, Fernando Vargas, and destroyed this guy in, in one round. What was your uh, initial thoughts on uh, on Kingry Garcia? 19 years old, uh, 14 and 0 now, 13 knockouts. Uh, what, what was your assessment of this kid? I think he's got talent. I think he's got talent. Not much of a challenge, um, but I do I do see the kid has some skills, and uh, if he keeps going, uh, I think he's uh, one of those great uh, good fighters to be reckoned with. Uh, in the future, you know, he still lacks some some of the basics, but um, you know that comes with experience, and it it just comes with uh, being in good condition, and 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 feeling that you know he can he can compete out there, and uh, I like what I saw, and I think that uh, this kid is one of one of the up and coming uh, fighters that that has to be contended with. In, in the very near future by some of the top contenders. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, well, the one thing I noticed, just closing the book on uh, Garcia, you know, he's got uh, power in both hands. He's yeah. got a great jab. I love the fact that he's got all the young girls coming to his fights. I mean, that's what you need. You need those kinds of guys to bring, um, you know, new fans that aren't boxing fans that they're coming and, you know, I thought I was watching the Beatles, you know, the way all these girls were screaming and hanging around this kid. Um, but the one thing I do did notice uh, is that he stands up straight like a statue, almost European style. And, you know, it's like what we say all the time, Larry, when trainers and management and promoters overprotect their fighters, you know, they, they're, they're creating a problem. And, and I kind of see it in Ryan Garcia Here's a kid that's got, you know, blazing hand speed, a lot of potential. He's 19, blah, blah, blah. And they're putting him in with opponents. Now, Fernando Vargas wasn't a bad guy. You know, he's been in a lot of wars, so maybe they, it all caught up on him, a lot of mileage yeah. on him. But, you know, you got to put a kid in that would test him in other, other areas. Like, for example, I didn't see him move his head. I didn't see him bend his body. I saw him standing up straight. Now, if they continue to feed him cupcake after cupcake, he's never going to learn how to move his head. So when he finally gets to that level where he's fighting guys that are good, especially we know he's going to fill out and move up in weight, 
it's going to be a different ball game. What, what's your thoughts? I mean, I know you're you're adamant about not enough teachers in boxing, but here's yet another example of of how it hurts the sport. Well, you you you're absolutely right. You you're absolutely right, and I agree with you 100 percent about that. But you know what? That comes from you need you need a good matchmaker also. You know, you talk about you know, and you know how I'm a stickler on the teachers. Well, the teachers that that is directly uh, attributed to the fighters' skills and the mechanics. But now you have to look at the 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 marketing and the growth and building the fighter and building those skills, testing those skills, and and at the same time, you know, keeping him out, uh, keeping the dangers at a limit. Okay, and that's where a good matchmaker. That's where the promoter needs a good matchmaker, and certainly promoters have uh, the fighters that they they have um, a great deal of confidence in, the kids that they're trying to move to that championship level and develop. So that matchmaker now, his job, he has to to get those opponents, the type of opponents that are going to test these skills. You know, if the kid, you know. Every now and then you put him in with a softball. The softball doesn't have to have a lot of power, but someone who's going to test and, and press the kid and bring out some of these other uh, skills that you're trying to, um, you know, have him develop. That's where the matchmaker is important. And if you just constantly throw him in with fighters that he's just going to go in and bang right out of there, he's not learning anything. You know, you got to put him in. He has to go in with uh, a fighter that's going to take him the distance if he's in a six-round fight, or you move him from a four-round fight to a six-round fight. You know, the kid got a few knockouts. Okay, now you want to get, you want to go find a fighter that's going to take him down the pike. You know, make him work a little bit more. You know, test him uh, with his skills to the body. You know, somebody who's going to, uh, you have to, you have to elevate the level of competition. That's what I'm trying to say. You have to elevate the level of competition. And in my personal opinion, I I see a few of these younger uh, Olympian kids that, you know, they're trying to move up the ladder. Okay, I personally don't agree with the way that they're moving some of those youngsters, at least two. That, you know, it seemed to me that the, the level of competition is getting less as they move, you know, as their careers progress. And I think that they got it backwards. It should be going the other way, you know, but we'll, we'll see. But, you know, to, a, you know, to, to, to answer your, your, your question directly, uh, I, I do believe that it's harmful to some of these uh, young fighters that uh, they're trying to develop when you just put them in with easy wins. I don't think that you're doing any uh, any good to the fight. I think you're harming his career. Well, you're certainly not helping him get better. That's for sure. That's right. Um, Larry, what exactly is your take on a temporary suspension? A temporary? I don't know if I understand exactly what you mean. Well, well because the, a suspension is temporary. Well, well. So, I'm referring to Nevada State Athletic Commission's announcement that they're temporarily suspending 
um, Canelo Alvarez until April 10th when they have their review. And it's kind of a weird statement from them because well, like you you just said, you don't get suspended until right. after a fight or or if you're suspended, you're suspended. I mean, uh, the, yes. you know, the word temporary shouldn't have been yes. used in there, you know, so it gives me uh, it paints a picture for me personally to think it's temporary till we have our meeting on April 10th, then we're going to OK it. What's your thoughts on, on them doing that? Well, hey, we're on the same page. You know, you're either suspended, okay? A suspension is a temporary punishment. A revocation is more of a uh, definite type of punishment, and I, I, I don't need to explain the difference to you. But uh, once again, you know, just, you know, you know, you know, between now and April 10th, temporary suspension, he's not going to fight between now and April 10th anyway. So to me, that means nothing. Okay? So when that hearing, the hearing is April 10th, he's not, <laughs> the fight that is in question is the May 5th fight. So there's not going to be, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand, really, I really don't understand when, you put someone on a temporary suspension. It's something that, you know, would never come to my mind. You, you're either suspended or you're not. Now, to me, when I see that, when I saw that, it's, it's telling me or it's getting me ready for what I believe is going to happen. And like I've been saying, and I've, and I've seen some comments, you know, along the way about, you know, he should be uh, suspended for two years or, or whatever. You know, he should be suspended. And I agree 100% that boxing does need a message. These fighters do need a message. And I do believe that he should be suspended for a considerable uh, amount of time, two years, two and a half years. And we know it can, it can very adversely affect his career. However... You know, the message has to go. But I've been saying all along, and um, it's going to happen, I believe, that money dictates in the sport of boxing, and that nothing, in my opinion, and I, and I hope that I'm wrong, but nothing's gonna, nothing is going to interfere with that May 5th date. You know, a lot of conversation is going to be had about what should be done, you know, uh, why did they do this? Why did they do that? But come Cinco de Mayo, you're going to see um, Alvar, you're going to see that fight, okay, in Las Vegas. And um, I've been saying it from day one, and I also said that I hope I'm wrong, and I would be pleasantly surprised, but that fight's going on. That's all I have to say about that. I uh, agree with you, and you know, I, I mean, um, I, I I wish it wouldn't because I feel it would make a big statement for the sport, Larry. But yes. I, I'm I'm with you. I I'm sure it's going to go on, and you know, once again, uh, um, I, you know, I th I don't think it's right. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree, and I would like nothing better to be in a position to make that statement. 
but it is what it is. And um, I understand the pressures. I'm not being critical now. I don't want, I don't want you know, anyone to get the wrong impression. I'm just being realistic. I'm being realistic. Sooner or later, we have to put our, fit, our feet down in the sport and make a statement that we're serious about this stuff. And as long as fighters could come in with excuses, it was in the meat, it was this, I didn't know, you know, um, I went to a party and I ate some chocolate or some other bullshit that I used to hear years ago about marijuana and all of that. As long as we continue to listen to this crap and slap them on the wrist and let everything just keep going, nothing's going to change. And we need, this is a golden opportunity to make a dramatic statement in the sport of boxing. It could be historic. I tell you. But you know, I don't what, think it's going to happen. Well, if it would happen, it opens up every fighter's eyes. You know, it, it's the same thing. I used yeah. an analogy. You know, two guys, uh, uh, you know, go and commit, commit a crime together, right? They both do it. One guy's got money. The other guy doesn't. One guy hires a high-priced, tagged uh, attorney. The other guy gets a public defender. The guy that's got the public defender is going to do 7 to 10 years. The other guy is going to get out on probation or uh, on uh, whatever, you know. I, I mean, it's about the money. And I think that in this particular case, a huge statement. And, and, and it's not like somebody's setting up Canelo. Canelo did it himself. You know, and it would make a statement. The respect factor would, would go through the roof. Fighters would say, oh, my God, you know, uh, they, they did it to Canelo. You know, uh, I'm going to watch yes. my P's and Q's. That's what we need. I know that there's a lot of money to be made, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it still doesn't make it, it, itself right. You know, I mean, uh, you know, don't cry that you want a clean sport. And then when you have the opportunity to do something about it, you don't. Uh, you can't complain. It's hypocritical. It's hypocritical. Um, we're and, running... and, and, and rules are rules are laws. And they're for everybody. Okay? Everybody. And and that's that's the message that has to go out. That the rules are for everybody. Um, one last question for you, Larry. Uh, it was uh, announced uh, yesterday, Eddie Hearn announced it, that uh, Deontay Wilder is deciding not, uh, and this is, you know, according to Eddie Hearn, I haven't seen anything, uh, uh, an official statement from Wilder, but that he's decided not to go uh, as part of the Sky Sports uh, television broadcast this weekend for the Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker fight. He's decided that he wasn't going to go. Eddie Hurton's point is that it's a stupid mistake. I mean, here he is getting paid to do it, number one. But number two, the bigger picture is that he's being handed all this publicity, something that I don't feel he gets in the U.S. because he's you know, signed on with, with a team that's just not working for him. His team is just picking them dry, money-wise. I, I just think that they've advised him incorrectly. They, they've made a lot of mistakes with Deontay. And I think they've made another one by advising him not to go. If it is true, if he doesn't show up, what's your thoughts on that? Well, hey, hey look, this is all. He's been complaining about money. You remember one of the biggest sticking points in the beginning was the money, the split. Okay, it's my understanding that 
you know, he he um, he looked to get make a, a nice piece of change to just go over there. I'm sure they were going to give him a couple of million or at least six figures to come over. He was supposed to, I believe, wasn't he supposed to be a part of the commentating team? And, you know, you had this whole uh, conversation about uh, Joshua didn't want to be confronted by him in the ring and all of that. Hey, listen, that that that's all a part of the game, man. You know, and shame on you, Joshua, if you – if you um, had conditions on, uh, you know, Wilder, don't contribute to the uh, excuses. So I think that uh, I think that he that that's ill. That's ill. He's ill advised not to go. You know, it's a hell of a lot of publicity. Plus, he can make a lot of money. Uh, you know, he can make him a nice uh, piece of change just to go over there and hang out and talk shit. You know. And talk about what he's going to do. Uh, everybody wants to see the fight. I don't know how much, you know, how much more publicity they really need. But it's all about, you know, it's all about making some more money. And especially when he felt like he deserved more. So here's a chance for you to make more, and you're turning it down. So I don't, I don't know what goes goes through these guys' heads sometimes, Billy. But I agree with you there. I think uh, if he's being advised not to go. I think that that's not good advice. You know I the funny the funny thing is is that you know and it's and it's a reflection of the team that's around Deontay. He's got this WWE mentality, you know, jumping on the roads, bomb squad pounding his chest, I'm the best, you know, everybody's scared of me, all of this stuff. It, that is so wrestling, you know, wrestling isk and for him not to go, forget the money, forget all that. For him not to go because the, the 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 rules, it had nothing to do with Anthony Joshua. The rules over there is you're not allowed to jump up into the ring unless you're invited, you know, um, by someone in the ring. And, you know, he wasn't sure that AJ was going to invite him up in the ring. But the truth of the matter is, is you don't need to do that. Just the presence of him there. Um, would have helped him long-term. Whether he fought AJ next or not, it would have helped him long-term. I think it's a, a poor business decision, and um, I wish that uh, I wish he you know, made a, a, a different one. But, uh, Larry, enjoy the fight this weekend uh, and the holiday yeah. itself, too, and uh, we'll be looking forward to you next week. I do have a, an email here that was uh, directed to you, but it's going to have to wait till next week, uh, so uh, we'll get that. It's uh, uh, a another one that uh, you know my mailbox gets uh, uh, filled with uh, letters for uh, the great Larry Hazard. So uh, we'll have to wait till next week. But we need <laughs> well, you to we need you to watch the fight, and I'm dying to hear your uh, opinions uh, uh, next week, my man. Okay, Billy. Have a I'll great one. All right, take care. That's uh, okay. Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard with his thoughts, and uh, no one does it better than Larry. Hey, I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, the blast from the past. Michael, second to none. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back uh, in about two minutes. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning.
Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Well, it's that time again. Uh, our show is in its 15th year, and one of the longest-running segments we have on this show is our Blast from the Past. Uh, this week's Blast from the Past is being brought to us in part by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Sign up today. And it's also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship computer game. Uh, download yourself a copy of it right now. It's the best simulation game uh, on the market. You could download a copy by visiting our website, www.BillyCBoxing.com. This week, our blast from the past, another request from one of you guys out there, is uh, Michael Second to None a uh, former two-division world champion. And joining me right now to tell us all about Michael Nunn uh, is my man, uh, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Uh, not too bad, my man. Not too bad. Uh, you know, I was a little surprised. For some reason, I thought that Michael Nunn was uh, in the Hall of Fame. I was shocked to see that he's not. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting little corner of middleweight uh, history here because um we have, uh, well, not just middleweight, but I guess middleweight, junior middleweight, welterweight, because we have a few guys here that are not in the Hall of Fame, and they're all kind of connected. Well, they're partially connected. We got uh, Michael Nunn, um, who has a win has a win over both Marlon Starling and uh, Donald Curry, and all three of those guys, none of them are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, another one, he is Sambu Kalambai. Uh, who um, was a middleweight champion for a little while too at this time. Uh, so yeah, it's the uh, sort of the post Leonard Hagler blues. Hey Alex, I, I don't mean to uh, I don't mean to to jump uh, off topic here for a second, but you know we have this new thing. It's I, we, I try to communicate in all these different chat rooms, and one of them. Uh, on the uh, YouTube uh, page is Super Chat. And Super Chat gives the uh, viewers an opportunity to uh, uh, say what they want. I say it on the air for them, and they throw us some do-re-mi. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out. I missed it uh, because I was switching back and forth, and it was done a while ago. But NBT Boxing, I want to thank them. They just uh, gave us a uh, Super Chat uh, slightly under 15 bucks, which is a record right now, 14.99 to be exact. And I'm going to relay what uh, NBT Boxing says. They said that Parker's going to end all this Wilder talk in three and a half days. Big, big statement uh, talking about Joseph Parker beating uh, Anthony Joshua this weekend. I just want to thank NBT Boxing. I'm sorry about that, Alex. I, I just didn't want it to go unnoticed. Yesterday at the end of the show, uh, my man, Scholar, Bo- Scholar of Boxing, uh, threw us something, and I didn't get to give him... Uh, kudos till today but anyway Michael Nunn great amateur career 168 wins eight losses tell us more tell us more Alex no problem Billy C yeah you got to pay the bills and hey I am very excited for this fight as well and I was wondering that same thing um 
while you guys were talking all about whether or not Deontay Wilder shows up, I was like, well, I wonder what happens if Joseph Parker shows up. Um, <laughs> he better show up. He said, "You know what? I, I've I've read, uh, you know, and and have seen the videos of of both of these guys. They're very respectful of each other. And I, like I said, it when we opened the show, um, I, I'm confident that we're going to see the best possible Joseph Parker. He's not going to come in, uh, you know, just uh, for a payday or whatever. I think we're going to see the best. I think he's." Okay, he's he's satisfied with his training. Uh, he feels he, he put it all on the line. And uh, we'll talk about that after. we, we got to talk about Michael Nunn yeah, now. I'm come sorry, on, man. Come on. Yeah, Stop I changing the sure subject, that, uh, Alex. Come on here either Thursday or Friday because I'm very excited about this heavyweight fight. And I did enjoy um, last weekend uh, as much as uh, Max and Jim were telling us not to enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, Michael Nunn, Michael second to Nunn. He was actually born Michael John Nunn in Davenport, Iowa, April 14th, 1963. I've got his height as in two different places. The guy's tall for a middleweight. Cyber Boxing Zone lists him as six foot three. Box Rec lists him at six one. So he's over six feet tall for a 160 pounder. That's pretty pretty impressive. Um, this was a guy who, when I was got interested in boxing, I, I kind of didn't care for stylists, and he was a stylist. So I often rooted against him, especially against, you know, when he fought guys like uh, James Tony, Iran Barkley, uh, more of those uh, kind of fighters that I enjoyed. But uh, the thing about Michael Nunn was um, he was incredibly talented, um, and uh, he could box, he could slug as well as box. He started boxing around 12 years old, um, had gotten in, you know, it was a, 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 a boxing was a channel to a, a way to channel his energy that had been sort of involved in some negative stuff like uh, street fights and shoplifting. Um, he quick he had quick success, like you said, 168 and eight record as an amateur uh, three time Iowa Golden Glove winner. Um, and he, for a while, he called himself um the best two-round fighter in the world because uh, he tended to tire in that third round of the amateur fights. And actually, it, perhaps that's what it was, was a, a solid third round that um, from Virgil Hill that kept uh, Michael Nunn out of the um, 84 Olympics because Virgil Hill beat him in the, uh, in the Olympic trials. And I think that's an interesting little trivia question there for your listeners, Billy C., is what... What two um, boxing champions, named Michael, were defeated in the 1984 Olympic trials, and both both guys went on to go went on to prison at some point. Um, and of course, the other one was Mike Tyson, who was defeated by Michael uh, by uh, Henry Tillman. Um, but yeah, he came out of uh, you know maybe you don't think of uh, Iowa as being a place where there's uh, some tough uh, streets. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the east side of Davenport, I guess, is a pretty nasty area. Uh, east Sixth Street, specifically, I guess, is an awful neighborhood. Uh, they used to call him, and and this he said in an interview on the Arsenio Shaw, Arsenio Hall show, uh, that they used to call him Wonder Mike, because people always used to wonder what would he get into next. <laughs> you know, he was a talented fighter, exciting fighter. Um, you know, when you look at his uh, record, 
you know, he, he has some big wins against guys that were huge at the time, Frank Tate and Callum Bay and uh, Barkley and even my main man, Marlon Starling, Donald Curry, uh, fought and beat uh, Cordoba, Victor Cordoba, a couple of times. Um, you know, but one of the things that he could never get done was a big, big fight against some of the big, big names like Leonard or Hagler or Hearns or Duran, and he was available for those guys. And according to, um, you know, uh, different opinions and comments uh, from uh, people uh, around Michael Nunn, including Michael Nunn, uh, Bob Arum tried several times to get him in the ring with one of those big paydays because, you know, we all know Bob Arum wants to make his cut too, and uh, they avoided him. And And you know what? That was a, a an avoidable guy, Michael Nunn. He was good. He, he he had it all, really, Alex. He had he had flash. He had speed. He was a good looking guy. He could he could take you out, uh, you know, with with his right hand, or his left hand. He was a body puncher. His defense. He was hard to hit. He was flashy. I, you know, it's a shame. He he was one of the best. He's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. You know, he could end up in there at some point. Yeah, uh, it was Gil Clancy, I guess, who was uh, someone who had said to the Goosins that uh, once you work on this guy's power, uh, he's going to be, uh, he'll, he'll, you know, he's going to go places because if not, he's going to be really hard to watch um, because he did have that tendency to be just very, very elusive. And without power, uh, that can be kind of boring. Um, the fight with uh, Starling is is kind of hard to watch because uh, you have two guys that are both stylists and both defensive-minded, and that does not necessarily make for a fun fight to watch. But you're right. Sometimes he would fight against type. Uh, when he fought Sambu Kalambe, I mean, he takes him out with one shot. It was stunning. Um, and that's the thing is that the Goosens, I guess they did. It, it worked, their work with his power. Uh, he was their first big, you know, marquee champion. But you're right. That was one of the things that was just unfor unfortunate. They couldn't put together a fight with um, Leonard. Uh, and Leonard was the one. Leonard had even said that, um, you know, Michael second to none is the best middleweight in the world right now. Um Mike uh, Leonard was in the process of um, putting together the third and final um, fight with Roberto Duran, which was also hard to watch. Uh, but think about it. He was in no condition at that point. Sure, he could beat, he could easily outpoint Duran, but he would have had major problems with Michael Nunn, uh, if not just plain lost to Michael Nunn. Because, I mean, he was, you know, he had speedy reflexes. He was the the, the top uh, middleweight. Um, when I ran Barkley, uh, that was one of the things that's interesting, speaking of all this uh, back and forth with um, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. That is fun. Um uh, I do hope that he makes it to England because I enjoy that kind of stuff. And you even had that in the buildup to Michael Nunn for uh, Iran Barkley because at that Arsenio Hall show interview I'm talking about, which people could find on YouTube, in row two, seat number one, is Iran Barkley. So he was sort of like, you know, shadowing him, trying to build up that fight. And um, the... Uh, 
you know, that was right at the time of Leonard Duran. So they those guys were more interested in making as much as they could with each other. They weren't interested in challenging themselves against a Michael Nunn uh, because that was a very risky fight. Even Roy Jones, uh, they couldn't put to put together the fight. And and the numbers I have here, uh, Roy Jones at one point was going to fight Michael Nunn. They wanted the fight to happen, but you'll see why Nunn didn't. I guess Roy was supposed to get three million, and Michael Nunn was going to get one hundred twenty-five grand. I know. Well, I'm, that I'm not sure I'd want to fight Roy Jones for that either. No. Well, you know, when you look at Michael Nunn, Michael Nunn, uh, and, and one of the guys in one of the chats said his best uh, description of Michael Nunn uh, wasn't second to none. It was one word: smooth. And and I agree with that. Uh, Michael Nunn, when you when you really look at his uh, career. The four years between 1986 and 1990, I mean, it was the best. I mean, when you look at, you know, the the, the fights that he fought uh, and, uh, and and won, I mean, you know, Alex Ramos in, in uh, 1986 and, and then all, you know, a bunch of contenders on uh, 88, Frank Tate, and then Juan Domingo Roldan and, and Callum Bay and Barkley and Starling, which was a close, controversial fight. Donald Curry, who was, you know... Uh, a top fighter at the time. The James Tony fight in 1991 was a really good fight. It, Michael Nunn was was putting on a show and and Absolutely. he uh, and he got caught and then and then uh, James Tony never wanted to give him a rematch, you know? I mean, Michael Nunn was a dangerous fighter and uh you know, not only did he uh, win a uh, world title um, I, I just want to get a chance to talk about uh, unfortunately for Michael Nunn, I want to get a chance to talk about the uh, Wilder and uh uh, uh, AJ not showing up fight uh, after we do this uh, blast. But Michael Nunn was a former uh, middleweight and super middleweight champion. And a lot of people forget, uh, and, and I did kind of, because it, it was kind of in the back of my mind, but he also challenged for the world uh, light heavyweight title. And, and that was in 1998, and his career wasn't over because he never lost again after that fight, you know, uh um, you know, his last fight at 39 years old uh, uh, against a, a journeyman fighter in 2002 would be his last uh, professional fight. And then I guess he turned to uh, distributing cocaine or something as a business because, uh, you know, he'd, uh, he ended up getting popped uh, big time. And, and they really, they really uh, slammed him with the sentence, too. Oh, they threw the book at him. And I'm not sure if it was one of those mandatory minimums. I think it might have been. Um, because it was cocaine, but, um, well, we'll get to that in a second, but I did want to, um, say you're absolutely right in terms of like the fight, if he had the right dance partner, and that's the thing about, uh, guys who are like mostly stylists is sometimes you see tremendous fights about out of them if they're in there with the right dance partner. And, uh, I think that was the case with, uh, Barkley and James Tony. Those were really appealing fights. Um, one of the things that was interesting here, and this is something that, you know, you could make this argument for some fighters. Uh, Mike Tyson is one. Uh, you know, I already made the co connection with him with their uh, amateur career. But um, before the James Tony fight, uh, Michael Nunn split with the Goosens. And perhaps that was a bit. Some even you know there's some of these articles. It, it suggests that even though he did start winning again, he was never really the same after splitting with the Goosens. And part of what happened was this, um, 
you're sort of you can't go home again uh old adage we hear uh when when home was a, a part a place where you used to get in trouble and maybe you hung with the wrong crowd and you spent too much time out at night and not enough time in the gym at your craft uh perhaps that's what happened because uh when he went back to iowa to start training um, you know, he got rid of the Goosens. He even brought in Angelo Dundee for that James Tony fight. But as we know, sometimes that was just window dressing because, you know, a top trainer like that might, might have only come in like the last week, uh, two weeks, 10 days before the fight and, you know, just tightens everything up. And then he's there for, you know, to be the motivator. But he, he's not the guy who six weeks ago was he checking to see if you did your road work. Um, so I think that what with that all that time spent back in with maybe some of the old uh, you know neighborhood uh, crowd, uh, they weren't necessarily good news for Michael Nunn. Um, he had been in a lot of trouble with the law between 1983 and 2002. He was arrested 28 times. Well, 25 of those arrests came after 1991's uh, fight with jo James Tony. So I, I think, you know, um, there, you're certainly there's a connection there in sort of, um, you know, it, that uh, Plato talked about that. The, the idea that some of the best warriors also have this part in their soul that's uh, full of appetite. And as long as you channel that appetite into preparing for war, they're going to be a great soldier. But once that gets out of check... Uh, they can end up destroying themselves. And, you know, that this is sort of a case like that and that idea that, you know, maybe uh, you can't go home again. Well, Kelly Pavlik could certainly agree to that. Uh, same issue, uh, Kelly Pavlik, when he was out, um, you know, as a middleweight world champion, and many regarded him as the best uh, middleweight world champion at that time. Uh, when he lost his title, went back home, uh, to Ohio uh, had been in some crazy trouble, uh, similar to what you're suggesting with Michael Nunn. He uh, apparently was arrested right around the time of his last fight in 2002 uh, after uh, uh, all of the uh, court and everything else. He ended up getting sentenced to 24 years in jail in 2004. Uh, this is a guy that's uh, a, a little younger than me, but uh, I feel uh, feel terrible about the guy uh, in prison. He's a model uh, citizen and uh, is looking to do his time and, and get out. You know, I've always wondered, you know, why uh, not that anybody should deal drugs, but why a guy that gets caught selling uh, a, a, a drugs to an undercover cop sits in a can for 20 some odd years and a guy that that uh, murders somebody could be out in seven to ten. I, it just it, it boggles my mind. But uh uh, no, and it, I, I absolutely agree with you, and I think that it, it's a nonviolent crime. Um, so, you know, I think that that's just right there. It, it did not merit this kind of sentence. However, that's one of the things that, um, you know, if you're if you do study criminology and stuff like that, you, you definitely will see there's massive discrepancies in um, in. Uh, you know, cocaine sentencing as opposed to certain other uh, drugs, uh, as well as the other thing that's, um, well, I guess crack cocaine is different. Um, but um, the other thing about this is they certainly took into all into account all his previous arrests. Um, one of the things that I thought was totally outrageous was 
it, they said that it, of all those arrests and for the amount of cocaine, it was a kilo of cocaine, um, there was a likelihood he had used a firearm at one time. Since when do you get convicted of li for likelihoods? Um, <laughs> but uh, you're right. They threw him into the clink for 24 years. Uh, he was supposed to get out um, sometime in 2028. It looks like he will now get out with good behavior. He's been a model in, uh, inmate. Um, he looks like he will get out December 19th. 2019 still uh, so yeah a very long time well he's still got a year but uh um hey listen I, i'm not trying to uh shorten michael Nunn, but I, we we only have a few minutes left so how did he do in the uh title belt championship i'm assuming he did well he did very well he, he uh spanked the crap out of today's middleweights um he had a little tougher time with uh triple g but um in their first encounter against Golovkin he beat him by unanimous decision two scores of 116 to 112 one score of 117 to 114 all for Michael Nunn unanimous decision when they fight a hundred times Michael Nunn gets the best of Golovkin 55 wins 36 defeats nine draws uh Nunn scored 27 KOs uh, when he fought uh, Clem Buterol Alvarez, the first time they fought, um, Michael Nunn defeated him by 12-round unanimous decision. The scores were 117-111, 117-112, and 118-110. When they fight 100 times, uh, Nunn dominates Cinnamon, 81 victories, 14 defeats, 5 draws, and he stopped Canelo 10 times. Well, cheetahs uh, get what they deserve sometimes, right? But, uh, yep, that's right. <laughs> um, Michael, second to none. I, I, I believe he should be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, but he was a former middleweight and super middleweight world champion. He also challenged uh, the, for the light uh, heavyweight title. Um, he had a career record, 58 wins, 38 coming by knockout. He lost four times in which he was only stopped uh, once. And uh, he had uh, he fought 415 uh, rounds with a 61% knockout ratio. Uh, Michael Nunn, our uh, blast from the past today, and an excellent job, uh, as usual, on that, Alex. And uh, let's move, since we only got a minute or two, let's move to Deontay Wilder um, was asked and, and was being promoted uh, as being part of the broadcast team for the upcoming fight between Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker, a heavyweight unification fight uh, in uh, uh, the UK. And uh, it was uh, revealed yesterday, and my man Thomas Newman uh, just gave me some uh, clarification that not only did, did uh, Eddie Hearn uh, say that uh, Deontay has changed his mind, but also Adam Smith, who's head of boxing at Sky Sports, uh, has also said that uh, he has uh, changed his mind and will not be ringside. Uh, for this fight, I, this bothers me. Uh, you know, I I agree with Eddie Hearn that if anything, this was an opportunity to to get some free publicity and get paid for it. What's your thoughts? I, I agree completely. I think uh, it's sort of shortchanging boxing. He wants us to get excited for this fight. So uh, even though. I don't know. What's the big inconvenience? Uh, the six-hour plane ride? I mean, uh, it, it makes sense for him to be there. The only thing I could see is that there were some, in one of the pieces I read, uh, there was some suggestion that 
Eddie Hearn might actually be trying to posture uh, Wilder for a fight with Dillian White first. So maybe Wilder and uh, the Heyman brain trust behind him was like, well, you're we're, you're not going to go over there to be, you know, promoting a, a second fiddle type fight. You know, like we're not going to have you go over there and not be calling out Joshua and they're going to be sort of funneling you, funneling you towards Dillian White. So that's the only thing I could think of. But um, you're right. It makes complete sense for him to be there. That's the fun of it. Hey, everybody loved when Clubber Lang would go to the fights that Rocky had. Come on, that's great. Listen, listen. Whether Eddie Hearn is is posturing for a Dillian White fight or not, the, the bottom line is this. Um, and first of all, I got to give a shout out to the Scholar of Boxing, uh, another uh, super chat uh, participant. I, I love these guys. They're throwing their money where their mouth is, and that's all you can do. Um, and I appreciate it. Uh, one of the uh, knowledgeable guys, uh, his handle isn't just uh, a proof of that. He uh, actually uh, makes comments that he can back up with statistics, which I love. You know, I, I hear all these things about fanboy type uh, uh, fans, and they, they shoot off their mouths, and then they can't back it up with nothing, and uh, Scholar is not like that. But anyway, um, as far as that posturing for a potential showdown with Dillian White, He's got that built in, Alex, because the WBC yeah, has made Yeah, they made him as mandatory. So if I'm Deontay Wilder, I take the paycheck and go get the free trip over there. I sit ringside. I still, you know, try to hold out for a little more money to fight AJ. And in the meantime, I'll beat the snot out of Dillian White because he's going to be able to beat Dillian White. You know, so um, listen, my opinion with Deontay Wilder, forget my thoughts on, on his abilities because I've made them very public. But from a promotional standpoint, uh, he has been uh, mishandled. Uh, he was uh, never given the right promotional uh, oomph from his promoters and management. And if you look at it from sh just purely uh, decision-making for the best fights, for the most money, the least amount of fights, etc., a two-fight deal with Anthony Joshua right now, Alex, could set this guy up and his great-great-grandchildren money-wise. It doesn't. He doesn't have to fight bums for a million or two million dollars. That's not going to set him up for life. I mean, it would set me up for life. But you know, it. it he's being advised incorrectly. That's the bottom line. I, I, I'm telling you, this guy has surrounded himself with crooks who are dressed in savior uniforms. Well, I, I don't disagree. And I, and I think, you know, I, I, one of the biggest um, mistakes, I think, of promotion in the last, uh, you know, in recent history, maybe for, in a long time, was Mayweather Pacquiao. And one of the biggest mistakes about it was the way they made people wait for it. Uh, it didn't help anything. It didn't help the sport. And it certainly didn't. Maybe it helped the paychecks. But um, it didn't help the sport and it didn't help the, the enjoyment of the bout because by the time it finally happened, you know, the, the shine was off both guys and the fight itself was less than appealing. Sure, it was an event for the Paris Hiltons and the Justin Timberlakes of the world, but come on, we have the chance here to have a really, really exciting USA versus UK clash uh, this, I mean, come on, let's not ruin it by baking it, marinating it too long. 
Well, that's the key. Uh, there, there's no need to marinate it. It's yeah. there. There'll be another it's, big it's fight after. It's juices. It, it, it's so moist. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I uh, appreciate uh, not only the, the job on uh, the blast, but also your thoughts on this. Enjoy the fights this week. Enjoy your uh, holiday, and we'll be looking forward to you next week, brother. All right, Bill. Take care. That's Alex Perpali, and uh, doing a great job. Listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Sal Rocky Santacola will be back with us. Don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, back again with us is uh, my man, uh, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, Sal, uh, I see uh, Sal is uh, not ready. So um, what we're going to do here is uh, I I had a couple of emails, boys and girls, um, that I wanted to read. But we're not going to get to them today we'll, we'll read them tomorrow and speaking of tomorrow tomorrow will be our breakdown and prediction day for the uh, Anthony Joshua and uh, Joseph Parker uh, fight that's uh, going to be taking place uh, this weekend so uh, you're not going to want to miss that uh, both uh, myself and Sal who's uh, back now uh, will be giving uh, uh, our uh, breakdowns and predictions on the big fight uh, but uh, but first I, I wanted to uh, uh, get everybody caught up, Sal, with uh, the latest installment of Anthony Joshua's uh, fight diary uh, that right. my man Johnston uh, gave us. And uh, uh, this will uh, 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 be right here. He says, uh, every fighter is different in their character. And with Joseph Parker, there's echoes of Vladimir Klitschko. Yesterday, I was back at this guy's studio for a press conference. The last time I was there... I was doing it for the Klitschko fight. And like Vladimir, I respect Parker, how he remained professional and conducted himself so well. None of the trash talk. I like to think the message that my trainer uh, relayed put everything in perspective, and that's why I'm so confident going into this fight. He can seem like the quiet man in my corner, but he's so influential. He teaches me to be mentally strong and not just rely on my physical attributes alone. It's common to refrain for a fighter at the press conference uh, to say that they're in great shape and that they've been in their best camp as a fighter, etc., etc. Then they come fight night and they actually fail to deliver. In contrast, Rob uh, trains me to produce The belief he shows in my ability is the reason that I train 110% for each fight as he knows the standard I can reach and ensures I hit it with every session. From our perspective, the talking is done, and it's time to focus purely on the fight. My base is now in Cardiff, where I'll be for the rest of the fight week for my final preparation. The city has become a bit of a home for me now. Uh, Parker and his team will uh, also have to make their way across uh, tonight, and we'll get to see what he looks like at the open workout. For me, uh, the hard work has been done in camp, so I prefer to use the open workout to entertain and interact with the people who take uh, the effort to come and see me. The support I've uh, received over the last few months and years don't go unnoticed, so these opportunities are good 
for me to meet those who turn out. It's my third stadium fight in a row. I started out in small venues and halls in my amateur days uh, and now uh, fighting at uh, the O2 Arena uh, and, and venues like that. My fight against Takam at the Principality Stadium last time was the largest indoor crowd in boxing history, so we continue to break records. I have shown that I can rise to the occasion. Sounds like a Sal... Uh, line but uh this is parker's first experience of the atmosphere he said that he's not going to let the occasion beat him but uh what you think you're going to feel and what you actually experience are two different things it's showtime and everyone's watching he will see uh that the whole build-up is bigger than anything he's used to in terms of the open workout and the weigh-ins etc this is where the fight starts to go when there are so many people cheering and the place is rocking, will he decide to shut out the noise and waste energy or ride the wave and become overexcited? If he's cool, calm, and collected, then he'll be able to ride the wave and surf it till the 12th round. But it depends on his character. Is he a Vladimir Klitschko or not? It's daunting. It's overwhelming. It's an experience he hasn't faced yet. If he manages to control himself like a true champion, this fight will be a war. What's your thoughts, Mr. Senecola? As I've often said about Anthony Joshua, he's a gentleman, he's eloquent, he definitely can relate and relay what he wants to say and uh, in, a, in a real good professional manner. Uh, there's not too many holes in that armor and uh, what he has to say, and I, I enjoy listening to those excerpts, and I want to thank Jonathan again for relaying, relaying them to us. And um, yeah, it's it's a champion's talk. It's a it's a confidence talk. It's a uh, it's very good to hear. And uh, I'm glad that he can share it with us. And uh, I'll tell you why. It's going to be a good fight. I think he hit some points right on the head. And uh, I think that uh, well, I'm I'm anticipating a good fight. And I can't wait to see it Saturday night. Um, one thing I I, I want to mention, you know, Johnston. Uh, sent us these uh, uh, pages from Anthony Joshua's uh, fight diary. Uh, so, so you know, remember I was saying how I love uh, the British terms and stuff like that. Well, oh, yeah. he started this email. He says, "Hey, Billy and Sal, I hope me old china plates have are having a puka morning. Uh, I hope me old china plates are having a puka morning. What that means? He gave me de definition." Me old china plates means mates, and having a puka morning means having a good morning. I, I wish these good. English I, guys I, I, would I, I, speak. I, I wish these I, I, English guys would speak English, Sal. You know, I mean, I wish they would speak English over here. What do you think? <laughs> well, it, it's not only English, but it's the Queen's English uh, that they speak, and uh, I think it's rather rather suiting. And uh, I would hope to one day have a spot of tea. He also wanted to clear up, uh, first of all, the Super Chat. I, I really uh, appreciate everybody that's involving themselves with the Super Chat. You know, when, when it was first given to me as an idea, it was to try to generate some revenue to get Sal and me uh, over to England to do a show. Uh, but, uh, but the amount of money it would cost us to do a show over there for a week uh, is... Uh, pretty expensive and, I, and i'm not so sure uh, i'm not so yeah i'm not so sure we could do it in super chat but we're having a lot of f fun with it and i appreciate it he wanted me to clear up 
uh, about his Super Chat comment when he put 10 pounds if Parker wins. He says, I do think AJ is going to win this fight, but Parker is a good young fighter that also has a good chance of winning. I'm saying that the fight is 60-40 in Anthony Joshua's favor. I think more of our of the, of our listeners should use the Super Chat to put their money where their mouth is and turn the show, uh, and in turn, the show will pick up a few quid. And in parentheses, he put pounds. Quid, pounds, I guess that means money, Sal. Well, we yeah, that's the common denomination, and I do believe so. And uh, yes, the quid, pounds, uh, whatever it may be, we call it cash coins and, and, and moolah. <laughs> Um, just to uh, get you caught up, Sal, um, yes, it was uh, confirmed uh, by my man Thomas Newman uh, that uh, uh, Sky Sports, um, Mr. Smith, uh, who's uh, uh, Adam Smith, who's the head of boxing at Sky Sports, uh, has indicated that uh, uh, they were informed that, uh, that your uh, hero, uh, is not going to be uh, in attendance. So uh, uh, Deontay Wilder choosing not to be ringside uh, for the uh, uh, for the for the fight, and I, and I think that that is a huge mistake uh, for Deontay Wilder for really one reason and one reason only. And one of the one of the uh, comments were was oh they they were telling him he wasn't allowed to jump up into the ring. I'm saying to myself, why does this guy want to create this circus atmosphere around himself? He needs to. He, he, he used that circus mentality because he had to. He didn't have any promotional team that were working the way they should. But he's beyond that now. You know, it's time to start going for the real support of real boxing fans and not just the Yahoo fanboys that are into him yelling and screaming and spitting and drooling, drooling all over the place. I, I think he's making a huge mistake by not taking advantage of this uh, opportunity, Sal. Well, I, I do as well, Bill. And like I said, I, I don't understand the reasoning behind it. And uh, until I hear it right from his mouth, I'm going to hope that it's just part of the press and part of what they want to do to stir the interest and the the, the, uh, the do's, don'ts, and what ifs that we're discussing right now about it. But uh, I'm hoping that he's going to be ringside. And, uh, and you know how I feel about Deontay Wilder. I think he's got that equalizer. And as much as I respect, and I do love Anthony Joshua, and I think he's great for the game, I'm telling you, something tells me that that's one fight that Anthony Joshua is not going to uh, like to have. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. that right hand. Uh, yeah, well, you need more than a right hand. And Anthony Joshua has a pretty powerful right hand himself. Oh, he and, does. And, and so did Vladimir Klitschko. They didn't call him... They didn't call his right hand the hammer for nothing. You know, so, I mean, come on. You need more than that. So far, Deontay has not needed more. He will need more to fight Anthony Joshua, I think. Maybe not. Maybe not. Hey, you know what? When you have freakish power like that, that's all you need sometimes. Uh, but uh, but he's never fought anybody like that. But the bottom line is they got to get in the ring and fight. That's yeah. the bottom line. So That's the bottom line. And yep. that's... You know, I heard Larry Hazard, and I, I, I share his sentiments 100%. And Because that's the only heavyweight fight I really want to see. That's the only heavyweight championship fight I really care to see. And especially after this weekend, you know, hey, what a disruption in the, in the cards. It'll be a disruption if uh, if uh, Joseph Parker should win this fight against Anthony Joshua. But, uh, you know, I, I do want to see that fight, and I do want to see Deontay Wilder. 
uh, as I said, Anthony Joshua, and and you know I'm I'm I think his unorthodox style is going to give Anthony Joshua some real real trouble that he does not anticipate. But that's all I'm going to say. Well, we'll see. Um, we'll see. We'll see. You know, yeah. Well, my my man Scholar, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a. He, he's predicting that AJ is gonna quit on his stool. I, I'm wondering if he's against Joseph Maybe. Parker. Against Joseph Parker. I'm wondering if he if he really means that, or uh, if he's just saying that. Um, that would be uh, that would be imagine. I, I mean I mean that would be. I can't even imagine. I, I'm lost for words. If uh, and and don't get me wrong, I am not. Um, uh, I am not. You know, saying that uh, Joseph Parker is not a real opponent because he is. Uh, that's my that's my whole point here. You know, but uh, but to me, Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight uh, right now in, in in the sport. So in order to keep proving that, he's got to beat Joseph Parker. But big uh, bold prediction from my man Scholar uh, in the uh, in the chat room. But uh, uh, anyway, hey, don't forget, boys and girls. We are going to do our breakdowns and final predictions of how the uh, big fight this weekend will go on tomorrow's show. We're not uh, doing a live show on Friday uh, due to the holiday weekend, but we are back on Monday. I know some people uh, celebrate the uh, holiday uh, on Monday, uh, Easter Monday. Uh, I've never, you know, maybe Canada, because don't they do like a boxing day that has nothing to do with boxing? I don't know, but uh, uh, in any event. Uh, I celebrated on Sunday, and uh, we will not be doing a post-fight show. We, we were going to try to coordinate that, but the fight is on uh, a little early on Saturday, and uh, it might be uh, tough, but uh, I am working on some changes uh, with uh, possible changes with the show, and um, it'll, uh, uh, it'll uh, boil down to a lot of uh, post-fights, so just hang in there. But uh, in any event, tomorrow, make sure you tune in because – We'll have the uh, breakdowns and predictions. But, boys and girls, on this day in boxing history, March 28th uh, in 1984, Murray Sutherland uh, wins a 15-round decision over Ernie Singletary uh, to win the newly formed IBF World Super Middleweight title. It took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey on this day. You know, if you guys notice, Atlantic City was a hotbed for boxing in the late 70s, oh, early 80s. Yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, that's where Sal, uh, you fought a lot there, too. But uh, oh, it's a shame yeah. that uh, at Atlantic City uh, is, you know, uh, not as popular now. And, and I know Larry Hazard is, is working very hard to uh, try and bring it back. Um, so uh, keep that in mind. It was, a, it was a hotbed. But anyway, on this day in 1981, Santos Lassiar uh, knocks out Peter Mathabula in the seventh round uh, to win the WBA World Flyweight title to place in South Africa. On this day in 1998, Lennox Lewis uh, stops Shannon Briggs in the fifth round uh, to retain his WBC World Heavyweight title to place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. 1998, that just goes to show you how old Shannon Briggs is. Uh, on this day in 1981, uh, the great Sugar Ray Leonard stops Larry Bonds uh, not James's brother, but just Larry Bonds in the 10th round to retain his WBC World Welterweight title uh, at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, New York. You know, I never remember uh, a fight being there, at least a Sugar Ray Leonard fight being there. Um, that's pretty, uh, pretty cool. And finally, uh, on uh, this day, uh, which is not 
boxing history. But on this day, uh, March 28th, in uh, in my history of being a football fan, in 1963, uh, the American Football League, back then called the AFL, officials announced that the bankrupt New York franchise, previously known, because it started in 1959, as the New York Titans, had been sold to a group of five men headed by Sonny Werblin, who was a television guy, uh, and the team will now be called the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. So uh, they were actually born today uh, in 1963. Hey, man, wow. that concludes our show for today. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da